right, all right. Welcome back to the Construction Mentor Podcast. My name is Ike. I am your host. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the Construction Mentor. You can also catch this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Today, continuing with the uh, with the interview format. Today we have a new trade in here. Not just any electrician, but we have a linesman. Um, we have Austin from Blue Collar Edu. That's his platform. Uh, we are very parallel. I've been on his podcast before. He's trying to spread the same message, trying to spread awareness of opportunities in the trades, opportunities in construction, because uh, there is no better industry for you to find a path to affluence, uh, to to maybe not even have a degree, but go, go find a degree um, or an education that can earn you a lot of money. So um, that being said, Austin, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. I thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to spread some awareness about blue collar trades and specific alignment trade because that's my forte. That's my niche. So let's talk. So what, what is alignment? So not to get this could be a few hour discussion, but just to give a bare necessity, alignment is someone who works on high voltage. So we work on anything from 120 volts, is which something you find in your house, you know, your lights and things plug into 120 volts, you know, and then we work anything up to 500,000 volts. So the big transmission lines, the big, you know, steel structures you see in the middle of nowhere going across the country, it's all part of the national grid. Linemen work on everything from what powers your house to what powers, you know, big, huge commercial complexes so linemen are responsible for for most of that you know all the poles you see in the ground driving down the road you know transformer boxes that you hear humming that are probably next to your house we're responsible for everything high voltage when it comes down to it so high so what he means by high voltage and I, i'm terrible with electrical right like i was a mechanical guy turned gc so anything with electrical is hard for me because I don't know what a volt feels like, right? Like I know what a gallon feels like. I know I can imagine that flowing through a pipe. I can't imagine electricity flowing through a wire. For me, the analogy that works the best is voltage is like pressure. Like if I took a water bottle and I squeezed it or, or if I was in the shower and how hard that water felt on my hand, like that, that is voltage. That's like, mm -hmm. that's almost like the pressure for water. So yeah. when he, when you talk about you know, you want to stick your finger in a, in a, in an outlet in your house, you're going to get a little zapped the stuff that you're handling, uh, way more than, than a little bit of, than a little zap. And it's going to take a lot more than a Tylenol to fix that. Right. It's pretty dangerous stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, honestly to, to, to mention what we call a Lyman killer is 480 volts. So like I was saying in, in a house is 122, 40, 240 runs, most of your bigger appliances, your washer, dryer, your, um, you know, your kitchen appliances, your oven and stuff like that is run off 240. But you get into bigger, uh, more commercial or industrial buildings. You're, we do three phase stuff. So 277, 480 is the lineman killer. So what actually kills someone or stops their heart is amperage. It's not so much the, the volt, the volts, uh, the, the, um, it's the current that kills. Um, so the lower the voltage for the most part, the higher the current. Now, of course, if you were to go phase the ground on a 7,200 system, 7,200 volts, that can kill you pretty well instantly, you know, of course, but you know, people take for granted it's a lower voltage. So it's not that big of a deal, but it actually does more damage. 
And anything over 600 volts is actually considered um, high voltage, but I wouldn't mess around with 122, 40, 48. Yeah. That stuff will kill you as well. Yeah. So if you're in a big commercial building and you have like an air handler or a chiller or something like that, those usually have 480 volts. And when you get out to the street, uh, usually that's when you get the even higher stuff, which is what which is what Austin is talking about. Um, and so there's two things. There's two things that I want to touch on here. Number one, I live in Florida. I went through my first hurricane last year, Hurricane Ian, and linesmen were like God's gift to the world overnight. <laughs> right? We love those guys. Um, I had a guy, a, a friend of mine that's from upstate New York. He came down and I think he made 24 grand in a month. Right. So that was a lot of money. Um, now, I think it's a well paying trade because of the risk. Right. And we use the word killer. And I see thing, people in my DMs and I see people in my comment section all the time talking about how dangerous it is and how you're taking your life in your hands every day when you go to work. I mean, are you just a lucky guy that you're that you're alive and healthy and <laughs> or or um, is it dangerous? But are you able to operate in a safe way? Like do you fear for your life every day when you go for, go to work. I, I absolutely I absolutely do not. And here's the thing about the trade. Um, you, you know, we could get into like a union versus non-union and. The thing about the union going through getting to the lineman trade is you're going to go through a comprehensive 7,000 hour apprenticeship, which you're familiar with what apprenticeships are. You know, it's on the job training. It's in the class learning. You know, it's a combination of 7,000 hours out in the field uh, training, you know, working, getting paid, working with other linemen on crews. And then you're it's a, you know, another 160 hours of in-class learning where you're going to school every other Saturday or one week in a month and things like that. So you're learning how to, you know, work in in a safe manner and prevent these accidents from happening. If you look up on Google right now, the top 10 most dangerous jobs in the world, Lyman's not even on there. A lot of times it's just like construction or like these other things because we're, we're for the most part, very well aware of what can kill us instantly. Um, and so we take the, the, the proper uh, safety measures and the way we work, you know, it's, it's according to, so we're, we're, we're looking out for each other at work every single day and it's dangerous. Yes. Can it kill you? Absolutely. And now you're talking about that hurricane in Florida last year. I was there. Um, I ended up going to that one and I spent, you know, two and a half weeks uh, down there and hurricanes and storms like that can they can be very dangerous and the reason why is a lot of the times you'll have a hundred thousand let's just say forty thousand linemen on property in a you know couple hundred mile radius mm -hmm. so you have all these guys working you have all these different systems people are working on a branch line here but you're working on the same circuit here you know if they heat it up we might be down the road on the same line like we have to test, we have to ground with, make sure we're taking every safety precaution possible because there's so many people out and about. You have to constantly be checking your back, making sure, you know, so-and-so down the road isn't going to heat up the line you're working on. That's going to kill you. And I want to talk about money because that's the big thing everyone talks about. Everyone who's interested in lineman, they're like, yeah, I can make so much money. And you can. When I was in Florida last year, like I said, I was down there for two and a half weeks. I think I what well, I was roughly making, if you want to do the math, eighteen hundred dollars a day, um, take home. <laughs> well, I always claim ninety nine when I go on these storms. So I mean, you know, I, I think 
storm and, and things like that. Storm response uh, should be tax free, but we need to get into that. But I was clean 99. Yeah. <laughs> I was usually around 1800 bucks a day on storm. So if you want to do the math, $1,800 times, uh, let's see, that'd be 20, about 21 days or so. Um, that'd be three weeks. Then, yeah, I took home about that much money. And now on a daily basis, like right now, I'm working in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, working out of IBW Local 769. And I believe the regular hourly pay rate for a journeyman lineman here in 769 is $58 and some change. It's like $58.32. Um, so that's, that's 116 grand a year before overtime. And if, that's if, not if, in the package though, right? Yeah, if you're working 40 hours a week. No one here is yeah. working 40 yeah. hours a week. Yeah, nobody, nobody's working 40 hours a week. You, no, you're working. so much work. It, Phoenix is one of the what top three, top four, top five mm-hmm. biggest growing cities in the country right now. Oh, the, yeah. the amount of building going on, uh, it's it's insane. It's growing up, and it's just there's so much work, you know, to building these massive housing developments and apartment complexes and businesses are booming here. Someone's got to put power to them, and that's what we do. So we're running underground power lines. We're running overhead power lines. We got to we got to do our job. So these businesses and these apartment complexes, housing developments, they have power, so people can you know use them and live in them. So, so is is the process of you touched on a few things there that I want to I want to just go back and talk about. So when you're out there, and we're talking about whether or not it's dangerous, right? I mean, first of all. Um, for the most part, line linesmen aren't, aren't out in the rain, right? I mean, kind of counterintuitive, at least you're not turning anything on in the rain. Well, here's the thing. So it depends on where you work here in Arizona. The guys, they, they don't work in the rain. Um, mm-hmm. I'm from the Pacific Northwest originally. Now you got to think, um, if yeah, I didn't work, get, in the rain, you'd never get anything done. I wouldn't work six months out of the year. Because six months right. out of the year up there, it's raining. So mm-hmm. I'm used to working in the rain. I don't mind working in the rain. And people kind of think of that contradictory, like you're going to work in the rain on high voltage power lines. And it's really, we work with hot sticks. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much I want to get into that. You know, a hot stick is just a big fiberglass stick that we use. And you keep your distance from the power lines versus the, in the majority of the country, you wear big rubber gloves to work right. on the power lines, right? So mm-hmm. places that rubber glove, they don't really work in the rain because the water can track, you know, if you're working on on power lines. Um, so, you know, that's why a lot of places, they don't work in the rain. But like in the Northwest, because there's so much moisture, you're using these big fiberglass, uh, we call them hot sticks. So you keep your, your minimum approach distance away from the high voltage power lines. And th- they're tested every foot brand new they're tested at a hundred thousand volts so you got to think every foot and they're usually mm-hmm. eight foot shotguns or eight foot hot sticks so what's eight times a hundred thousand right eight hundred thousand volts is technically mm-hmm. what that's rated for brand new and so that's why we use you know that sort of equipment like up in places in the northwest where there's so much moisture and rain so we can work in the rain so there's kind of a little tidbit of and that. i i would imagine so you know in the I'm obviously, I don't do infrastructure, right? Like I'm, I'm not out on the lines and I'm not doing any kind of like, um, you know, new development site, civil stuff. Everything that I've done has always been either a structure out of the ground or interior to a building. 
So we would call that a lockout tagout. Um, and what I'm referring to is like you mentioned, when you're out in the field and you're working on something and you don't want somebody behind you, uh, making it hot, right? You don't want anybody turning it on. In other words, he's working on a piece of wire that may not be connected to anything, but there's no electricity pumping through it because it's shut off. You know, the, the breaker or the disconnector or the, um, you know, the switch is basically off. Is it called a lockout tagout for linesman? Is it the same type of process? I, I would imagine there's some sort of comprehensive, you know, checklist that everybody has to go through and talk to everybody before they can do anything. Yeah. So we, we have a sort of a system. It's kind of like a lockout tagout and it, and it depends. It's also different. Uh, it's different depending on like, if you're just doing regular work, like what we're doing right now, it's just regular work versus storm work. So like mm-hmm. storm work, because, you know, there's so many linemen on property, uh, let's just use Florida power and light, for example, because that's kind of where mm-hmm. you're from. They, there's no way they can handle the influxes of a foreman calling in and taking, getting a lockout tag out mm-hmm. on the, the wire they're working on the, whatever they're fixing. Um, so a lot of the times we have what we'll call um, it's like, it's, you know what a lockout tag out tag looks like, right? You mm-hmm. put your, your phone number on and, and uh, information on it. And so we'll put it on, you know, a fused cutout. So someone can't, well, someone can, but someone would have to be really, 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 really stupid and want to screw somebody yeah. up or potentially kill yeah. someone. They go up there, take that tag off, and then heat the lineup. That's mm. not that's not practice at all. So there, there are ways we obviously mitigate and have protection versus we also have grounds on our line. So if someone were to close that cutout in, you know, essentially close the fuse and heat the mm-hmm. line back up. We'd have grounds on the line, you know, that the primary high voltage is direct to ground. So if it does, it'll pop that fuse instantly and whoever is working hopefully doesn't get hurt at all. And I imagine this is all part of the training. So you, you had said that you would, you were in school slash working for, you know, 7,000 hours. That's, that's the equivalent of like four years, right? So it's in a four year, apprenticeship and i'm sure you go over this stuff over and over and over again uh one of the things that that people always um are apprehensive i guess it would create apprehension to come into the industry is that they don't want to take a pay cut or they feel like uh they're going to get uh slave wages is the only phrase that that i see people use um first year apprentice or maybe even a helper trying to wait to get into an apprenticeship um because what I mentioned that a lot, like a good way to get in an apprenticeship is to try to get some sort of labor job or helper position um, when while you wait, because usually it's like once a year that you have to sign up and then and then you get in. Uh, and that's a good way to get in with a shop is to show them, you know, that uh, you're competent and that you're hardworking and then they'll kind of sponsor you to get you in. So how do you get in when you get in? Um, is there a helper position? Is there only going in the first year? And what do they make? All right. So I'll kind of just. Anywhere you get in the country, if we're talking about the lineman trade specifically, so everywhere in the country, it's a little bit differently. In, in Arizona down here, I think they, I can't say exactly the number, but they'll open apprenticeship to what we call the, the Swolecat, uh, Southwest uh, Lineman, basically apprenticeship. And so they'll open it up the application two or three times a year, and then you apply, and then as your you do an interview and then as your name depending on the experience and how well you do in your interview you get put on a rank list and then 
if you become number one, your name gets called out. You become a pre-apprentice, which is a groundman mm-hmm. or helper. You're not an apprentice yet. So you'll become a pre-apprentice. And then um, basically you just have to wait until you get orient a call to go to an orientation, which it's a hands-on skills test. And I think it's a few days long. Don't quote me on some of this stuff. But it's a hands-on test where like you go in and they test you. You got to dig a six-foot hole in a certain time frame. You got to carry a fit, uh, fifty-pound log uh, to and from places, and, and these are all time things. I think there's like nine or ten different tasks that you have to complete, and you can only fail two, I believe. And then your third one, if you fail, well, you're out, and the next person's, you know, they they get the opportunity. So you become a pre-apprentice, and I want to say pre-apprentice wages right now in Arizona are like $26, $27 an hour. Now, as soon as you become, as soon it's as pretty you good become, considering you have probably no work experience and you're making 50 grand or 54 grand, and that's more than the average college graduate makes. So no college degree, just starting out with no experience. Literally your job and title is helper and you're mm-hmm. making more than the average college graduate right now. At no right. Debt. So not, not to mention, and we can get into, you know, that's a pre-apprentice. As soon as you mm. get dentured as an apprentice, your pay goes up like, for the most part around the country, uh, whether you're a pre-apprentice or a groundman or a helper in the lineman mm-hmm. trade, as soon as you become an indentured apprentice, you get like a three, four, five dollar pay raise just like that. So in Arizona, you go from, I, and don't quote me on these numbers again, these are rough mm-hmm. estimates just from what I know. So you go from 28 to like 33, 34 bucks an hour as a first step. And then every six months, every time you step up. So first it's seven step apprenticeship. So every step is a pay increase of depending off the percentage of the journeyman rate. So if journeyman rate in Arizona is 58 something dollars an hour, uh, mm-hmm. as a first step, you make like 65% of journeyman rate. And then as you become a second step, you make. 70%, then it's 73%. And then basically once you become a seven step, you're making like 95, 96% of journeyman rate. And then you complete the apprenticeship, you become a journeyman lineman. Now you're making journeyman wage anywhere you go. And anywhere you go in the country, it's different. California journeyman wage is like 67, $68 an hour right now. $67 an hour. Wow. That's now get that's this 134 I, grand a year. And now get this. And, and I can... California, they just passed a contract. Um, it's a five-year contract. And I think after five years, they just passed it last year. So in 2026 or 2027, uh, I think hourly wage will be at $75 an hour. So for a lot of guys who um, are f- not from California or let's say they're from the South somewhere because the wages in the South are always a little bit less. Like Florida – yeah. I, I want to say it's like 36, maybe 40 bucks an hour for journeyman there. Texas mm-hmm. is less. Mississippi, any southern state, it's less out of their wage because for the most As part, is the cost of living, though. I mean, I was just in San Francisco last week and I no, like no shit. I got an I got an omelet and it was like thirty two dollars. Yeah, exactly. Like that's insane. <laughs> so th- that's exactly it. So if, if you were to do the math, like, oh my gosh, people look at it from the outside looking in, oh my gosh, you're going to make $75 an hour. Like that's crazy. But then if you also do, you track it with the, with the increase of inflation, and everything else, it's just, it's right. That parallel 
with right. all the other right. stuff happening. So, so is there such thing? I mean, usually when you do public work or any kind of public infrastructure, it has to be a union job or a prevailing wage job. Is there any non-union, non-prevailing wage linesman work? Oh, absolutely. So there is. Oh yeah. Um, actually, the majority of the line work I think in the country is non-union. Really? Um, okay. So if you get into you look like East Coast, West Coast, you know Washington, Oregon, California, uh, East Coast, you know Maine, all the way down almost into into Florida. Florida is, I believe, a right to work state, right? Yeah. Um, it is. So is Arizona is a right to work state. But it depends on how strong the union are. The unions mm-hmm. are these right to work states. Uh, Washington, California, Oregon aren't right to work states. And like I don't know if New York, but the unions are so much stronger. Well, we get into politics. You know, they're Democratic. Yeah, yeah. Democrats. Yeah, the blue states. The blue states have bigger unions in the in the big cities. But exactly. even in those states, usually once you get outside the cities, they're not they're not too strong. It, exactly. So. You, you get into states like Tennessee, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas. Mm-hmm. Any one of those southern states, a lot of majority of it is actually non-union work. So if anyone who's watching this, and I, I don't promote non-union because I've worked with a lot of uh, guys who come from non-union and now they're union uh, linemen. Mm-hmm. And they've sure. just told me whole horror stories about it because there's no training involved. There's not an, an apprenticeship. You get hired on as a, a class see linemen and then you just like start working and there's no real like official training and stuff. You just show up to work and you start working. Yeah. There's less, there's no structure. I mean, you might be able to get into a mentorship or, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm pro union or non or not pro union, but I will say as somebody that's worked on both job sites, um, the education level on the union job sites is far better from top to bottom. I mean, yeah, on a non-union job, maybe the foreman and maybe a few ace people in the field know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but there might be 10 guys that really don't. And they're just doing stuff because they were told to do it. Whereas on a union job, everyone is guaranteed a minimum level of understanding. Now, what does that mean for people out there? Right. If you have an opportunity, you should be looking for the best training program, no matter what that looks like. Right. And the union is a, is a great opportunity. What would you say your local was six, seven, nine? Uh, in Arizona, it's seven, six, nine. Um, Seven six nine. I got the numbers mixed up. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but like, I I come from uh, you know Northwest, the Pacific Northwest. So my my local union IBW, like where I I became a journeyman and went through the apprenticeship is one twenty five, which is Portland, Oregon. I mean, there's unions all over. There's unions all over the country. Right. Um, I will say, you know, anyone who's watching this or listening to this, you know, if if you're from one of the southern states and you want to get into the, the lineman trade. I, I'm not telling you not to go get experienced on you. You just have to really watch your back if that's something you want to do. I will tell you, and I just had an apprentice. He just got moved to a different crew, but he did a year and a half or so do, doing non-union work. That's where he got his experience. And mm-hmm. then he applied at the Swolcat at the apprenticeship here in, in the South, um, the union apprenticeship. And then, you know, he had that experience under his belt. Um, now of course unions are going to look at it like, yes, well, let's get any non-union person we can to come in, pay your union dues. You know, it's a whole business thing too, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like it because of the training, you, the, the, the apprenticeship there's, I, I say you can't beat it. Like you, you said earlier, 
it's four years. Uh, it took me three years, three months, but it's because I was also working a lot and it was based off how many hours you're getting per month and X, Y, Z. You can't beat the, the, the training. It's, it's free. It's free training. Actually, it's paid to get, you know, to get trained and then become a journeyman in a skilled trade. That's ultimately a very lucrative career path that you can, you can be on. Now, when you guys go to these different states, does everyone make the same money or do you make what you make in your own home state in an emergency no, so situation? In an emergency situation, you're talking like storm work or just... Yeah, like, I mean, if somebody shows up from Texas and another guy shows up from California, are they making Florida wages, Texas wages, or California wages? No, so if, if you, let's say you traveled from, uh, let's say, Florida to Phoenix and you took a job out of IBW Local 769, you're going to be get, getting paid whatever the 769 contract is. So $58 okay. something dollars an hour. Um, the annuity, you get, I can't tell you exactly the number. They take a percentage of your hourly, hourly rate and they take that and put it into a retirement plan. You know, your medical and all that stuff is covered. Uh, so yeah, wherever you're working, you get that contract scale. So that's why a lot of guys to go back to California make so much money in California. They make stupid mm. amount of hours there. I don't know one guy that goes to California and works for a year who makes less than $300,000 a year. If they work there for a full year, there it's almost guaranteed you're going to make over 250000 And that's like, because right. they don't work 50 hours a week. They work 60, 78 hours a week there. It's crazy. Right. Well, I mean, they have a tough time keeping the lights on. So they get a lot, get a lot of work to do. <laughs> Let's just be honest. No politics. Hey, uh, no, that's how it is. They're putting a lot of overhead, you know, with the wildfires and stuff the last few years. PG&E, uh, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, mm. they're, they're on an initiative by like, I think 2027 or 2028, to put like a hundred thousand miles of overhead wire underground because to mitigate, you know, for yeah, right. fire risk and wildfires. So other than, um, you know, making a good wage, uh, in a way above average life, you know, wage and lifestyle in Arizona, uh, and traveling around and saving people when, uh, the wind blows too hard and, and knocks out that power. What's next for you? Like, are you thinking, could you, whether you want to or not, what are the opportunities that are there for you? Linesman forever. Could you go into management, maybe an outside super project manager? Could you start your own business? Like what is, what is the limit for a linesman in your eyes? Man, the, the limit there, there really isn't much of a limit. And, and this is, this is a great thing about not even the lineman trade and all trades. And we're using lineman trade here because that's my niche, but man, I got into the lineman trade at 20 years old. And then, you know, if I were to, if I want to stick with the company, you know, your journeyman lineman working, you complete the apprenticeship, become a journeyman. And then you you can become a foreman. Um, you become a foreman, maybe, you know, you get the experience, the exposure. The company might see if you're, if I'm working for a contractor or for a private utility, you might see, man, this guy has his stuff together. And they, they offer you a general foreman position, which a general foreman for the most part is like the guy looking over a handful of crews. Um, right. 
Yeah, so if Foreman runs the crew on one specific spot or job or project, general foreman would basically be somebody that runs several crews. A regular foreman would be somebody that's running a handful of people, maybe three, four guys on one specific location or project. Where do you go up from general super? So, I mean, yeah, then we even have supers, supervisors, superintendents above the general foremans. And now superintendents are like the boss, right? They're the boss of the Mm -hmm. GF, the foremans and everything else. They're usually the ones that are like in charge of a big job or multiple jobs going on. Um, But no, I have seen guys personally and right. They just got into the trade as an apprentice, become a lineman and became a foreman, became a GF, become a supervisor. And I've seen guys go many different routes. They've gone, uh, become like a project manager of sorts where they draw out and engineer jobs, like an, like an mm-hmm. office job, right? But they don't have a college. They don't have no degree. They just have the experience. They have 15, 20 years of experience in the field. And then they went into an, you know, an quote unquote office job. So now where they design jobs. Um, here it's common. The guys become what they call a CC which is a construction coordinator and they they're the, essentially the one to you know they get a job and then they go out they draw out the whole job they go out they plan the whole job and then they give that job to a crew um there's many different routes you can go and you mentioned can you start your own company and yes you can i've a lot of guys a lot of linemen they've started their own company when it comes to like storm restoration companies stormwork companies that's mm-hmm. kind of a common thing to do um, because in, in those instances, in those situations, you know, using a handful of trucks and then you just like a storm happens and you just find a utilities property to go work on and telling them you have the manpower and the trucks to do it. And then you just like sign a contract and then you go work on that property. So I've seen a lot of guys start their own uh, storm contractor companies as well. There's a, there's a lot of movement and a lot of guys for a whole entire career for 30, 40, 50 years, they just stay just a, just alignment. They just work on a crew. And that's, that's where I'm at right now. I want to get as much experience as I can. I'm, I'm like, I've learned like 5% of the trade when it comes down to it. There's, there's so mm-hmm. much for me to learn. There's so much for me to see. I'm only 27 years old and I don't feel right to take like a foreman spot you know, over somebody who's been in the trade for 10, 15, 20 years, they know more than me. And, and I have so much to learn that I don't feel like I'm, I'm in a place where I could even take a foreman spot, even though it would be a good learning experience, good learning curve for me. I'm, I'm always down to learn new things. Um, but I, I won't rule it out. I just, I like to give myself, uh, you know, a handful of more years just as a journeyman on a crew learning and working. So getting in, um, the way to go would be to go find out what, where your local is. Like if you want to take the same path that you took, Google Chicago linesman or, you know, many Minnesota linesman or something. Right. And in a local or a union hall is probably going to show up um, from there. Reach out to some of the companies, see if there's a helper spot, find out when the signups are for the union that year and apply. Is that how people do it? Well, okay, let's be honest here. If someone really wants to learn how to be become a lineman, not to shout out my, my own thing, but I have all this stuff available on – because this is a whole entire different discussion that mm-hmm. I could have. But if you're interested, you're watching this, 
go to our YouTube channel. I have a whole playlist on there that's specifically for linemen. Or go to the website, bluecolleredu.com. Go to tap on the careers tabs or the free learning tab. There's free courses. There's free learning on there. And because Lyman is my trade, that's what I teach most about. So this question about how do I get started, where do I go, the steps I need to take, that's all free learning for you guys out there on the either YouTube or the website. So there you go. <laughs> you you knocked that one out of the park. That's what I was looking yeah. for. So, so no matter where you are, um, don't feel like you're walking around in the dark. Austin is here to hop in the drive in the uh in the passenger seat you know he's here to tell you where to go like driver's ed take a left take a right hit the gas stop okay um linesman is a is a great career um and he has an awesome platform and i'm glad that he actually found me um and i was able to be on his podcast the the first time around um what advice i want to close it with this so what they're going to do is they're going to go to blue collar edu Right. They're going to go check out your content. They're going to go. It's bluecolleredu.com. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Right. Bluecolleredu.com. You're going to go click on the click on the careers tab. You're going to go through all of the content that he has to find out exactly how to become a linesman. Now, that's just walking through the door. What advice do you have to somebody once they're on the other side of that door and they show up day one? What are some things that they either shouldn't do? Like what are some don'ts from new people that show up that that piss everybody off? And uh, what are some things that they should do? Well, there's a lot of things that they shouldn't do. And there's there are little tiny things that linemen just be like, don't do that. So I, it's hard to give specifics on what they shouldn't do. But I will give them what they should do. And that's be curious. Uh, ask a bunch of questions that, you know, they always say there's no such thing as a stupid question. In the lineman trade, like, okay, there might be. But, like, even as a lineman myself, I still ask stupid questions. But, like, I just ask questions. If someone gives me crap about it, I just be like, hey, I just want to know. Ask questions. You got to be curious. If you re- if this is something you really want to do, you got to show true intent. You got you to gotta be able to want to be at work. You want to be able to learn. And by you asking questions, um, showing up to work on time, and on time is early, so 15 minutes early. Don't be, don't be that guy showing up to work, you know, a minute before start time. Um you know, show up in the morning 10, 15 minutes early. You get out, you get the truck started, warmed up, you refill the cooler with ice and water, you make sure the clean the trucks are cleaned off. You know, there's a lot of things specifics that an apprentice or groundman can do. But more specifically, I emphasize on just you don't know, you don't need to know everything. You don't even need to know 1% of the stuff. But as long as you're curious and you ask questions and you're able to learn, I mean, those are three things that really, uh, you know, traits or skills that someone can have getting started in not only the lineman trade, but any trade, you know, that that's going to help them be successful in, in that career path. Yeah, I think the important perspective to have is that you're trying to create value for yourself, right? And you're trying to create a perception that you are a valuable individual that when you do ask questions, you are worth uh, giving an answer to and you want people to take you under your wing. Yeah, Uh, having a mentor is so important. And if you're there early, you know, you you show that you care, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to take care of things that other people don't have to take care of, especially people that have been around there for a while, like you said, cleaning stuff up, making sure that there's enough ice for everybody, making sure, you know, these are just these are ways that people take notice of you and they lo- they're like, wow, I like that kid. That is somebody that I want to take care of. That is somebody that I want 
to uh, see successful and to be a part of making yeah. that person successful. It's the uh, truth. That's probably one of the things that I would say um, young people today, uh, and I don't necessarily blame the young people. Um, I, I just don't think they're told, right? And I want to make sure that this platform's like this to tell them. So I'm glad that you said that. I think I think that's really important. Um, well, listen, I think this is I think this is really valuable. Um, you know, learning about what Alignsman actually does, learning what the opportunity is, how to tackle the opportunity, what that opportunity can make for you, and where it can take your career. Um, Austin, anything else that you'd like to say? Um, yeah. at Blue Collar Edu. I just want to. I just want to also emphasize and say and make this point that a lot of people that you know, and this this goes for the younger generation, your 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, or even kids in high school right now, that they see the lineman trade and they say, "Man, that's something I'd love to do. I want to do that. It looks fun. It's exciting." Um, most importantly, they see it because I can make so much money, and you can. But I want to tell them right off the bat. It's not easy. It's extremely competitive. Like if you really want to get into it, you're going to you're going to have to do everything that is in your willpower to get into it because there's it, every single year it gets more and more competitive. Um, you know, with 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 the power of social media and and the way these trade schools, alignment schools are, you know, they're bringing in people because they're getting paid a lot of money. Uh it's, it's not easy. And then if you get in, if you do get into the trade, whether as a groundman or a pre-apprentice, or hopefully you get an apprenticeship, that ain't easy either. It's it's hard. Every year it changes. Uh, a lot of the curriculum inside the apprenticeships now are kind of like college. It's online. It's learning, you know, off your laptop. Like there's tests. There's, there's things you have to know. And if you fail, you get kicked out. So like it's not easy. Uh, and, I, and, and there's a perception out there that like, I just want to get into it because it make a lot of money, but I just want to let you know that it's not easy to get in. And once you're in it, it's not easy at all either. Uh, but if you really, really, really want it, you'll go get it. Yeah. So I, what you're saying with competition is that there's not a lot of seats, right? They can only take so many seats, uh, in this profession. Mm -hmm. And if you get it, um, you know, getting it's not even probably half the battle, then, then you actually have to go show up. You have to show up on time. You can't fail a drug test. You have to, uh, there's tests that you want to, that there's more than just academic tests that you want to pass, right? You have to pass a drug test because yes. nobody wants to work with a lineman that's going to be high. Right. Um, and, and usually that's like a one strike rule. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you, you got to show up to school. You got to, you got to do well on those tests. You got to show up to work. You have to have a shop that wants to get your back and that wants to employ you and that advocates for you. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people I know that grew up that got thrown out of unions. Not, not even, not even just one. Most people that I know that got thrown out of one got thrown, thrown out of at least two or three. Mm -hmm. Um, because they, they, they hold a high standard, right? You, you don't just make that kind of money. I mean, you mentioned a few States where you make over $250,000, no problem. You make, uh, before overtime, you're making 120 grand or 134 grand. Uh, and nobody's just working 40 hours a week. Right. No. So, um, you know, the, those numbers, those salaries are, or those wages are so high, uh, for a reason you have to live up to it. Exactly. hundred um, percent. So listen, man, go follow Austin at blue collar edu. Um, I'll tag him in some of the posts and Austin, I appreciate you coming on, man. I know that, uh, I know you got to get up early tomorrow. 
Uh, you, you're probably <laughs> getting up the same time as I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I know I, you yeah, I'm I'm usually up at I'm usually up at three forty five four my time. So I mean you're probably and you're up at three your time. So um that's early, man. <laughs> that's early for most people, but we get it in. We work really hard. Not easy we do for a lot of for anyone out there, like it's not easy. Like you you see the social media post, you see it, oh it looks so much fun. Oh, you can make so much money. Like it's fun, but like it's not easy at the same time. You know what I mean? You gotta want this stuff. Yeah. I mean to make that kind of money to make over $150,000 a year puts you in the top 4% of the country. Right. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to do, if you're going to make extraordinary money then you got to do extraordinary things, you got to do things that the 96% of people won't do. And that's get your ass out of bed and get to work. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, man, I appreciate you coming on Um, again. You can follow this, this podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, and you can catch me on TikTok and Instagram at, the construction mentor. Um, I love everybody and I'll catch you next time.